0: Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. What an amazing day. Did you wake up thinking, what a beautiful day. What What a day we get to look forward to. You know, I think there's many things that we do that um, encourage our day. And one of those things, probably for many of us, is coffee. Probably coffee even before God some days. I think we sometimes need coffee to get to God. And uh, we know that's not true. But, but in reality, I think that often is the case. And, uh, or at least coffee to, to help us with other people around us. And one morning, I went out for coffee. And I was going to actually through the drive through And I was in, at Starbucks and, and promo for Starbucks. And uh, as, as I was going through the drive-thru, I was looking forward to what I was going to have. And, and, and I, it, it was great anticipation. Like, I was probably um, drooling as I was coming up to the, to the till to pay through the drive-thru. And as I did, the lady looks at me and she says, you know, is this your coffee? I said, yeah, absolutely it is. And then she said something that just, it blew me away. It, it got me really excited. It, it probably threw me off a little bit. And she said this, someone else has paid for your coffee. Have you ever had this experience? Have you ever um, gone through and someone has done something for you that you never thought would happen or you didn't anticipate it? And, and I think in some ways it, it throws us off, but generally in a good way and we get excited and, and all of a sudden like, woo, this is awesome. And, and so as I was ready to get my coffee, as I didn't have to pay for it now, I thought, you know what, I'm so excited, I'm so motivated. Why? Because someone has just served me. And, and, and giving me something that I gotta do something else for someone else. Isn't that what service? That's what service does, doesn't it? When people serve us, it just motivates us to do something for someone else. So I said, You know what, ma'am? I'm gonna pay for the next coffee. So she paused and, and said, Oh, oh okay. Um, she says, Well, do you understand uh, what the next order is? I said, No, I have no idea. She says, Well, your order is about $4, the next order is $23. <laughs> When she said $23, I, I went, huh. What, how do we respond when something's a little bit different than what we expect? Even if we're so excited because someone has served us and all of a sudden something comes into our reality and it just changes it all. What do you think I did? What would you do? We've been going through the book of Acts as a church. And uh, God has been leading us and opening up our mind, opening up our, our heart to understand his desires, his will, his ways. And uh, actually, the, the early church had none of the advantages, as we're learning, that we have. They, um, they didn't have big budgets to do big productions, they weren't uh, having big budgets by wealthy donors. Their pastors lacked credentials. Most of them were untrained. They had been with Jesus, but they didn't have formal training other than what Jesus had given them. And that training was probably rejected by many in the religious sectors. Most of the pastors actually had jail records. And if they came around to uh, our churches, we'd probably say, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Move along. Bob actually said last week, he said, God used untrained ordinary people to change the world. God uses people like us to change our world. So, what was the secret to their success? What changed for them? What did they do? One simple answer. It's our passage today. It's called Pray. If you have your Bibles, I'll get you to turn in them to Acts chapter 4. And we'll read together in Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. And it says this, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all of the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here. In this very city, for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Verse 28, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Verse 32 continues to say, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt what they had owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one, of the, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. The apostles get back to the church family after they have just gone through this amazing uh, ordeal with the leaders and, and, and chief priests and the Sadducees, and they couldn't wait to tell their group what they had, incur- what they had just experienced, what um, they had just done. They couldn't wait to encourage their group. They couldn't wait to, to, to worship God by telling them that they had seen God at work. Where have you seen God at work? Are you in places where you see God at work? Has anyone told you where they've seen God at work? Who have you told? I ask our small group this uh, this question almost every time we meet, and, and I ask it because I want them to see that God is at work. We need to see that God's at work. We actually need to hear that God's at work because it encourages us because often we don't, do we? There is something supernaturally powerful and encouraging when we hear stories of God breaking into our world. When we hear stories of God healing our world. When we hear stories of God exercising his amazing, uh, nothing like it power in our world when we hear stories of him rescuing, when we hear stories of him doing something we don't expect, when we hear stories of him doing things that we did expect in faith. As a result, before this passage, before the one we just read, it says this, that 5,000 men plus women and children came to understand, repent, and accept the love of Jesus because God was at work. As a result, the early church breaks out in spontaneous prayer, and they are filled with praise, and they're filled with passion, and they're filled here with power, and they just can't wait to talk to God about it. So for our time today, we're simply going to look at this prayer and ask this, what happens when we pray? What happens when we verbal putter with God? (laughs) Pray. First thing you'll notice here, it says in verse 24 to 28, As we pray, we begin to see things in God's perspective. We begin to see God the way, the way God sees life. As we pray, we are reminded to look at life the way God does. Often, I think, as we go into prayer, um, we get things off our chest, Right? <laughs> We have joys, uh, we cry, we laugh, we get angry, we have questions, we may yell. And that's what we bring to God. Often as we go into prayer, we're looking at life through our own perspective. But Peter and John here uh, have just shared where they've seen God at work. The focus has become about God, and so, so the people are all of a sudden looking as God looks. They're looking through His eyes. And we notice three things. First thing in verse 24, it says this. "O sovereign Lord. This is how they begin their prayer. This is the respect they have. This is the the utterance that comes out as, as they hear great things of the Father and what he is doing. This is what comes out. God is sovereign Lord. And they are reminded of that. They need to be reminded of that. This term actually means it's a ruler who can exercise absolute power. It's like someone who has all authority and actually uses it. This group of people are reminded that they follow God who cannot be stopped. We follow God who cannot be stopped. Notice verse 24 also says this, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth creator of the sea and creator of everything in them. Seriously, look around. God created the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Look around, look up to the sky and what do you see? You see the sun, you see the moon, you see stars, you see the birds, you see clouds, you see planets in orbit. God created those. Actually, Genesis tells us he spoke and made it happen. Look to the side. Look to the mountains. Look to the trees. Look to men and women. Look to babies. Look to animals. He makes those. He creates those. Look below, it says here. <laughs> Look to the rivers, look to the lakes, look to the oceans, look what, to what's in them, look to the whales, look to the sharks, look to the fish. He makes those. If God can create, what can't he do? If God can create, what can't he do? Remembering God as creator means taking my place in the world in the appropriate way. And not demanding for myself more than it's my right to have. I am only a creature. We are only created. We cannot do things like the creator, like our God can. Remembering God as creator means remembering that God has made a good world, not an evil one. We are the ones who spoiled it because we are the ones who wanted to be sovereign creator. We wanted control of our lives. When we take charge, what happens? We create mess. When God takes charge, what happens? (laughs) Things get done. As we pray, remember that God has the credentials. He's sovereign Lord. He's creator. But verse 25 to 28 say this. God acts in history. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying this. Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you have anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Verse 25 and 26 actually quote Psalm chapter 2. And we're not going to take time to look at it. But I would encourage you to because it only gives us a glimpse of Psalm chapter 2. But Psalm chapter 2 is Jewish history. And it's about the time of David, the King David, who, whom these Jews loved and, and, and revered and adored. And so the Holy Spirit brings to mind this king back years ago. And how God led this king. And how God's plans came to fulfillment. They prayed from history. They actually prayed from scripture. If you want to learn how to pray. If you want to be reminded of what to pray. Look at scripture. Read scripture. What does God say? Verse 27 is actually more, from more recent history. It's about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In both of these accounts, these historical accounts, they reflect on the fact that opposition is around. That opposition will always be around, but it is futile to go against God. Opposition will always be there, but God is always greater. Opposition will always come, change will always come, but God is always always sovereign. God is always creator. God will see things through. No one can stand up against God. And that's what the rest of Psalm chapter 2 actually says. It actually says you're foolish if you think otherwise. In fact, verse 28 says here, Everything that those against God did was determined beforehand according to his will. It's a bit of a challenging passage, isn't it? This phrase. Trying to understand it a bit more. It's like God makes the game of life. He knows all the possible moves in this game of life, and he's actually in the game through the Holy Spirit, which is refer- he's referred to a few times in this passage. We all play the game, but God determines the outcome of the game because God is the one that makes the game. <laughs> I remember playing um, squash for the first time. You ever played squash? And it's a great game, but it's a back-and-forth game. And it's, an, it's in a small environment, which I'm absolutely grateful for. But there's so much running in this indoor court. And I remember the first time uh, I played, I, I was invited by an older gentleman, probably twice my age. I said, Todd, let's just get together and play it. And I want to introduce you to this new game. So I got all brand-new equipment. He had his old equipment. I got new shoes. He had his old shoes. I'm twice, he's twice my age. I'm young. I'm fit. You know, He's old. <laughs> I'm getting old now. Uh, I kind of understand what this is about. We got playing. He won. I lost. (laughs) Didn't have to be as fit. Didn't have to have all the new equipment. You know why? Because he knew the game. He knew where to stand. He knew where to hit the ball. He knew where the ball was going to come, where I would be. And he actually whooped me. He knew the game. I lost. He won. I was exhausted. I was frustrated. He barely broke a sweat. He enjoyed the game. Fortunately, he was also humble and didn't didn't bug me about it too much later. (laughs) He knew the game. God says here he knows the game. He's put the game together. This means that our enemies cannot go beyond what God determines. I think the challenge though for many of us is we'd often like our enemies not to go beyond even what God determines, right? What this all means is simply this. God will accomplish his will. All of life is part of God's perfect plan. So there's no need to fear. We need to see the truth of what we're going through. We need to see the power of our loving, sovereign creator, God. What all this means is that our world will never silence the servants of Jesus Christ. Get on the front lines. Uh, I have an older brother. He's just about to turn 50 this year. I'm in the middle of two, of three, sorry, and I have a younger brother a couple of years younger. My older brother, as he turns 50 this year, is reflecting on life, but it's actually the the decade or the fifth decade that isn't causing him to reflect the most. He's currently battling cancer. This is his second time in two years. Actually, he came through it a couple of years ago, and um, actually, he just came out of quarantine about a week ago, and he came out of a bout of radiation through a bout of radiation for the second time. He tells me that the doctors say that his body has probably at least had a third to not, if not that, at least a half of the radiation that he's allowed to in a, in a lifetime. So, as he's evaluating life and, and evaluating past and future and family and, and all that goes on and, and his relationship with God, I said, Brent, like, how, how are you handling this? Like, what do you do? Like, you're, this could be the end. He said, Todd. This is what God has told me. I am invincible until my sovereign creator, Lord, calls me home. I am invincible until my sovereign creator, Lord, calls me home. In other words, he gets it. God's in charge. God knows what he's doing. Folks, we follow a sovereign creator, God. As we pray, we also deal with reality. Verse 29 and 30, it says here. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us your servants your great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Peter gives us hope. Hope in reality. Or pardon me. God gives us hope in reality here. Prayer is a way uh, for us to cope with reality, isn't it? When we have joyous things going on in our life, we can pray and celebrate with God. When we have painful things going on in our life, we need to bring that grief to God. We need to tell somebody. When we're surprised in life, when things change, and we can't handle that change, or we can handle that change, we need to talk to somebody. We often go to God. And prayer is such a gift. The early church just heard that they will be persecuted. And in fact, if you read the next four chapters and the rest of the book of Acts, we'll get glimpses of what this persecution looked like. And it looked like prison. It looked like death. It looked like being ripped away from your home. This desperate reality drove them to pray. As we pray, we deal with reality. Sometimes I'm a bit of a Facebook or social media junkie, and I saw this the other day. You ever uh, sing the song, and you may be familiar with it, a Christian song? It's called Blessed Be Your Name. It goes something like this Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all is it to be, it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. On the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name, referring to God. Every blessing you pour out, God, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be your name. I have a friend. His name is Michael Dakin. Michael Dakin is quoting this song recently, a few days ago actually. And when he comes and says this, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, This is what he said. I've sung these words many times. Today, however, is not a day of sunshine. The world is very much not as it should be. Today, we got the phone call that every parent dreads. The blood work showed something concerning. Come in immediately. I was already at work and met Dana at the hospital, Michael says. Within an hour, we were told leukemia. More blood work, an x-ray, and the results were confirmed. Our son Eli, our eight-year-old boy, has leukemia. We were told our ambulance would take Eli and Dana to Vancouver. They live in Prince George. There is a biopsy scheduled for Monday, Monday. And our doctor said that he has the best oncologist down there. The biopsy will confirm the initial diagnosis that we had in PG. And we'll know more after that. We thought it would be tomorrow or Sunday for the transfer. But then suddenly they had a flight available. And they're in the air as I write this. Right now they will be down for at least two to three months. And my daughter Katie and I will stay home for the time being. As COVID restrictions require minimal coming and going family separation. Eli also has no immune system as he goes through the first round of chemo. So they both will be in isolation. I don't know what we need at this point. We don't know enough. We are just trying to get through today. We've been running on adrenaline all day and we are tired. We are spent. Dana is still much ahead of her. Still has much ahead of her. Pray for her, especially. What do you do? What do you do when your children face something as awful as leukemia? What do you do when plans change? What do you do when, when something breaks into your world and it just blows it up? It explodes it in such a horrific way. What do you do? You pray. Pray, prayer, helps us deal with reality. Now as I say that, I better pray. Lord, uh, we thank you that Michael is in your hands. We thank you that Dana, their family is in your hands. We thank you that Eli, little eight-year-old Eli and his body that you created, that sin is ravaged, that leukemia has now become present, is in your hands. We don't know what to do. We ask for wisdom for the doctors. We thank you for the medication that is there to help. But Lord, we hear way too many stories like this that are harsh and hard. We need your healing hand. We need you to break in. We need you to help it. Lord, we're desperate. And we ask for your healing and for your strength. In the name of our sovereign creator, Lord. Amen. The Deacons are desperate. The early church was desperate. We often find ourselves desperate, don't we? (laughs) Desperate for your Creator, Sovereign God. God often uses desperation to reveal our hearts. Who do we depend upon when times are tough? Is it us? Or is it God? He wants us to evaluate our loyalty. Is it to us and our strength and our wisdom? Or is it to Creator God? Sovereign God. When times do not go the way we intend them to go. When we cannot control them. How do we respond? The early church, it says here, responded by praying this. O Sovereign Creator Lord, hear their threats. Give the servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and miraculous signs and wonders. They prayed, Hear our threats. Hear the threats of those who are making them. <laughs> God, know what's going on. God, as you have in the past with King David and with Jesus, please hear what's going on in our reality. And that's what Michael is asking God, and that's what we need to ask God. I think we just want to be heard sometimes, don't we? We need to be heard. When we are heard, it means that someone is paying attention to us. It means that someone is aware of what's going on around us and may be able to do something. And we know our God, sovereign, creator, can. But they also pray here, give your servant great boldness in preaching your word. Is this an odd prayer to us? The church does not ask for revenge. The church does not ask for persecution to stop. The church does not ask for rescuing. I don't know about you, but I think that's weird. Instead, they ask for boldness. They ask for freedom, for frankness, for confidence in public. That's what boldness means here. They ask to be brave. And not just to be brave to, to, to endure, not just to be brave to, to have a mic drop moment when these people persecute them. It says they ask for boldness to what? To preach the word of God. This is the kind of power that God gives God gives power to persevere. God gives power to live out his will. God gives power to love the unlovable so the grace of God will be seen for everyone around. And that is what caused 3,000 people to come to Christ at the end of Acts chapter 2 and another 5,000 to come to Christ at the end of chapter 3. And that's what's going to make the difference. And it says that God answered their prayer. Verse 31. The meeting place shook, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is with them. <laughs> and they preached the word of God with what? With boldness. In fact, you have Acts in Acts chapter 6 and 7, you have this guy named Stephen, who I, who, who was stoned, who was killed for stepping out and preaching it in boldness. And in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, you have everyone spread out because of the persecution. That was happening to the early church. And it actually says in verse 4, wherever they went, they spread the word of God. (laughs) God answered their prayer. But he also, they prayed, stretch out your hand with healing power, miraculous signs and wonders. The early church wanted God's greatness to be seen and for God to get the credit. What does it take for God to be seen in our lives? What does it take for God to be seen in our lives? Desperation. As we pray, we are forced to deal with reality. Third thing, quickly here, as we pray, we focus on the power of Christ. Verse 27 and 30 both give credit to the Holy Servant, Jesus. The early church prayed for God to stretch out your hand with healing power, miraculous signs and wonders all through the name of Jesus. The church wanted to give credit to the boldness, the healing power, the miracles and the wonders to Christ Jesus. It is is Jesus' name that gave them power. And his name deserved all the praise, all the recognition, all the glory. The recognition of Jesus not meeting our needs is the highest purpose of answered prayer. The name of Jesus has not lost its power. But unfortunately, many of God's people have lost their power because they have stopped giving him credit. Give Jesus credit publicly. Last thing here, just as we pray, we find motivation. Verse 31 and following. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt what they had owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had And then the apostles testified, and it goes on, how every need was met. It's amazing. There's something motivating. Something happens when we putter verbally with God, when we meet for prayer with God. It says here, after they finish their verbal puttering with God, the meeting place shakes. They are all filled with the Holy Spirit. They they all preach the word of God with boldness. They were all united in heart and mind, and there were no needy people among them. Folks, prayer is not the end. Prayer isn't the end for them, and it's not for us. Prayer is only the beginning. It's time to follow through from our prayer. It's time to check off the lists that we verbally puttered with God. The early church did. A guy named Barnabas, it says here, did. Barnabas was given his name because of his character. I wonder what name those around us would give us because of our character. I don't know about you, but unity has got to be one of the greatest miracles of the power of Jesus Christ. And that's what these verses say. They wanted to see power of Christ at work, and it ended up in unity. And in fact, it says, no needy people among them. This has got to be tied with unity. (laughs) As amazing, as impossible. Only the power of God could do this. So how is your verbal puttering with God? I'm in the Starbucks line. The lady gives me my coffee. I'm about to enjoy it. I'm looking at it. Someone else has paid for it. God has covered it. The cost to cover someone else is much greater. 23 bucks. (laughs) What would I do? It's a no-brainer. I surf. I pay it. I hold to my word. I trust creator God to provide. I paid it forward. What is God calling you to do? It's time to pray. It's time to see God for who he really is. It's time to look at things the way God sees them. It's time to step out in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, wonderful God, holy Lord. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. We owe you everything. Lord, I think the older I get, the more mistakes I see myself making. (laughs) The more I realize that when I walk away from you, the worse things get. The closer I get to you, the more I follow you, the better things get. The less people I hurt. Father, thank you that you break into this world each and every day through you, Holy Spirit, Thank you for when you broke into this world for you, Lord Jesus, to change our lives forever through your death and resurrection. Lord, we need you. We're desperate. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for verbal puttering with you. We ask all these things to continue to give life where there is no life in every sphere of this world including our own reality. We ask that in the powerful name of our Creator Sovereign, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.